When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study. We are thankful that you are here, and uh, no matter how you're getting this, whether you be watching uh, on our YouTube channel live or archived, or you're listening to the audio-only podcast archive, uh, we are thankful that you are here. We are continuing our walk through Genesis. Today will be in the longest narrative in the book of Genesis, uh, and that is Genesis chapter 24. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can. While you are turning there, some things that are going on involving the manchurch.com and Burgess Ministries, uh, we are excited uh, that, boy, do we have a lot going on this week. Uh, If you're watching this or listening to it uh, on the actual week of Father's Day, Uh, Coming up tomorrow night on June the 16th, so if you're listening on June the 15th or watching on the 15th, tomorrow night, Kevin Derryberry, First Baptist Church, Opelika, Alabama. Uh, They have been doing the men's discipleship strategy from themanchurch.com. They're in their third year. So they're they're further ahead than than any other church that we have, uh, and Kevin Derryberry will be at their next man church coming up tomorrow night. If you never heard Kevin's testimony, it is powerful. Make plans to be there, and then they'll roll you into the next round of small group Bible studies. They are doing the Be Disciples curriculum, which is our third one of three, uh, and uh, you can plug into that if you're not already in it. Uh, coming up, a kickoff breakfast this Saturday. The 18th of June, Homewood Church of Christ, they're starting the men's discipleship strategy. This will be their kickoff gathering for men. They're going to do it as a breakfast coming up this Saturday. You can be there if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, or around Homewood. Brian Gunn, one of our teachers, will be there. He'll be uh, presenting the message, and they'll plug into the first round of uh, the first curriculum called The Pursuit of Christ-Centered Masculinity. And they'll start that, and you can get involved in that. Uh, Coming up at my home church in Birmingham, Alabama, Valleydale Church, uh, we have our men's prayer breakfast. Scott Dawson uh, will be speaking to the men there. And um, most of our small groups at Valleydale are getting toward the end. They're at least either in the last quarter or 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 maybe the last half of Real Men, uh, which is our second curriculum, and this takes uh, eight eight men of the Bible and five weeks on each man. Uh, So you can plug in to what's left. And then coming up this fall, we'll go into the next curriculum, and you can be part of what we're doing at Valleydale Church. Um, some other things that are going on. I'll be uh, Saturday night, the 18th of June. I covered your prayers, guys. I'll be at First Baptist Church, Shelbyville, Tennessee, uh, and I'll be speaking to those men. Uh, this is a, uh, the first gathering for them. Uh, they're considering starting the discipleship strategy as well. Uh, I'll be there for that men's event. The dinner tickets are all sold out, uh, but if you just want to come to the event, those tickets are still available. Uh, you will find that particular one uh, at BurgessMinistries.com or RickandBubba.com under upcoming events. There's other churches that are doing our strategies, and there's man churches that are going on everywhere. Find all of those at TheManChurch.com uh, under Events. Also, don't forget our new app is out and it's rolling. It's called Strive. This is a great resource for you. Uh, you you have this app, guys, and it is just chock full of of information. You can uh, listen to sermons. You can uh, look get some of the Bible study archives from this Bible study. As a matter of fact, we just added our study on Acts, um, and uh, you also get daily devotionals, uh, articles. Uh, that talk about what's going on with our faith. Uh, It's a great resource. You want to try it for free for seven days, just go to wherever you get apps and uh, look for the Strive app, S-T-R-I-V-E. If you're watching, right there it is. There's the logo, and you can get that. Try it for seven days. If you decide to stay with it, it'll be $9.99 a month, and more content is added weekly. Uh, So grab that if you don't already have it. It's a great resource for your continued growth. Let's uh, let's ask the Lord to join us, and then let's jump right into his holy word. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for uh, reconciling us to to our Holy Father. Uh, Lord, I pray today we take that step. You say that uh, we should be growing. Uh, you, You had Paul inspired through your Holy Spirit telling the church at Thessalonica, uh, that um, they should continue uh, 
what is the will of God, and that is their sanctification, that we continue to grow uh, and we examine ourselves today and ask the question, are we even of the faith? Is there evidence of you in our lives? And help us to learn everything you intend us to learn today as we walk through the history of you and your interaction with us. In your name we pray, amen. So I told you to turn to Genesis 24, the longest narrative in the book of Genesis. Um, and, uh, and we know that Abraham is getting toward the end of his life. As a matter of fact, we're about to hear some of the final words from Abraham uh, to his son Isaac and, uh, and, and try to do what he thinks is the, the last thing that he needs to do on this side of heaven, and that is it is time for him to find Isaac a wife. We know from last week that Sarah has gone on in. Uh, she has passed away, uh, and, uh, and we know that, uh, that Abraham at this point we think is somewhere around 140 years old uh, and getting toward the end of his life. Uh, this will be the acquisition of a wife for Isaac, um, and uh, through this very long narrative, and I'm going to go ahead and warn you guys because I'm always going to be uh, a good steward of your time. I'm speaking to the men here in the room, and good steward of your time, those of you that watch this and listen to it every week. Uh, we will we will not go over, but uh, we may not get all of 24 finished. If we don't, we'll come back and finish it next week, uh, but if I think I get a chance to finish it, we will. Uh, and uh, this will be... Uh, Abraham's last major act uh, in Genesis. Uh, and you can kind of walk through this chapter. There's there's uh, different scenes that show up. There's five total. Uh, hopefully we'll get through at least uh, two to three of them today, if not all five. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start in the beginning. And, and in the beginning we start uh, in verses 1 through 9. This is Abraham commissioning a servant uh, to go find a wife uh, for Isaac. Now, when we talk about, you'll see this, when we talk about a servant, you know, there, there's there's different types of, of service in Scripture. You do have people that are bond servants. That means uh, they don't have any rights. They are a slave. Um, and then we see people that are, um, you know, indigenous, indigenous servants, and these are people that actually, they receive food, they receive housing, but they also receive pay, and are there working out of, off a of debt to someone. Uh, now, the indigenous servant um, has rights. It's almost like an employee uh, in, in modern day. And you're going to see that, that, that this servant has been given an incredible amount of responsibility and is trusted to the fullest by Abraham. This, this is his guy. Have you got that guy in your life? Have you, have, you, have you got that guy in your life that you think, all right, if I need something done, uh, this, this is the guy that I give the task to. He, he, he can get it done. If, if I need somebody to come through, I, I've got this person in my life. I know who to call. Uh, well, Abraham certainly did, and they had been together for years. Uh, now, Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So uh, let, let's unpack that for a minute. Um, so we're approaching the end of Abraham's life. He's got now uh, a call from God that he must prepare Isaac's future. So, so Abraham can look back over his whole body of work, Listen to me, dads. And he can look back over his whole body of work, and he knows that his time on this planet is coming to a close. But that's not good enough. Okay, he, he certainly just wants to, he wants to finish strong, and he has. But he also realizes, I must prepare my children for what God's calling them to. And, and, I, and I'm going to ask a very difficult question of, of us in this room um, if I were to go to your children and I were to talk to them about their future, uh, would I find that the things that they say to me shows that you are preparing them to be used by God? Or are you doing your part to prepare their future? Uh, and I know for a lot of parents, they don't like when I say this, but it, it is a, a truth. Uh, you know, two things that I think we make mistakes in parenting is number one, we work on trying to have good children when we're supposed to be preparing good adults. Okay, uh, that's two different things, uh, and we we spend all this time trying to have well-behaved children, but you better be preparing well-behaved adults. Uh, the the second part is, are you preparing your children to leave and to be able to function without you? Uh, and and certainly Abraham knows that Isaac is going to have to do that. 
Um, and uh, many times uh, we raise our children as if we want them to stay, not as if we expect them to leave and, and go out and make their own lives and to have their own faith and to advance the kingdom of God. So here is Abraham. Uh, he is now saying, my last act on earth is to be sure that I, 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 I acquire a wife, the right wife, for Isaac so that his future is prepared because we know that Isaac is the is the covenant son. We know that Isaac is where God is going to fulfill his promise to Abraham of all the offspring and the descendants of, of Abraham through Isaac. So this choice of wife is a biggie. It, it's a really big decision as <laughs> our son's choice of wife is a biggie and our daughter's choice of husband is a biggie. Uh, this, these are important things and they're not to be taken lightly. So what's happening right now in 24, we're going to transition and we're going to start leaving Abraham behind and we're going to move on with Isaac. That, that's what this chapter is going to do. We're, we're going to make that transition. Uh, and, um, so you, you have to love, uh, that it says that the Lord had blessed him. And, uh, and, of course, we, we have seen that, haven't we? He, he says that Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in some things and all things. So there is a confidence here uh, that he's also going to bless him uh, in this next move. Uh, and uh, that, uh, you know, we, we know that there had been times that Abraham came through and passed the test. We know there have been times that Abraham did not pass the test, but here's one thing that we take away from the life of Abraham, and we need to write this down and write it down, as Adrian Rogers used to say, write it down big and write it down bold. Though Abraham may not have passed every test, God certainly did. Uh, God always held up his end of the deal, uh, and, and he's going to continue to do that. Do you believe that? Do you have that kind of faith, that God is going to hold up his end of the deal? That whatever he says he is and what he says he's going to do, he will. Uh, that's the lesson, isn't it? All right, so now let's look at verses 2 through 4. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had. Do you see that? This is a well-trusted guy. You realize how much stuff Abraham had? He's a very, very wealthy, successful man, and this is the guy in charge of it. He's, he's trusted by Abraham. You know, it, it, can you imagine if, if you went up to Abraham and and uh, and he, uh, he and you walked up to him and you said anything about stuff he did? Hey, I need. I tell you what, go see so and so, and and tell him uh, what you need. And that's how trusted the guy was. You realize how peaceful that was for Abraham. Have you ever had people you couldn't trust in charge of your stuff? That's that's not a good feeling. That 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 would not so good. But but when you've got people that you know have got it handled. There's a, there's a piece that comes with that. So we continue. Put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. All right, two through four. So... You may be looking at this and go, wow, what's going on here? Uh, this is an odd way to make a covenant. But it, but it's really not. Um, now, this is big. These are the last recorded words of Abraham. He, he calls his most trusted worker. He managed everything that Abraham owned. He made a covenant. Now, we're not going to ignore the location of the covenant. I want you to place your hand under my thigh as we make this covenant. Now, we're not going to ignore that. We're not going to skip it because it makes us uncomfortable. Um, again, you've got to really be trusted here. So, uh, but, 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 what, but what's going on here is this is symbolic of God's promise of Abraham's loins, his fruitfulness, that, that his descendants will be as the stars in the sky and as the grains of sand near the ocean so the placement of his hand is, is, is not happenstance. It is deliberate. You are making a covenant with me, and you're placing your hand in this area of my body, 
and you're not going to mess up my offspring. You're not going to go grab some Canaanite woman and mess this thing up. Uh, This is going to be done the way God said to do it, and this is symbolic that Isaac will produce children from my people, not from the Canaanites. And you're going to swear to it right here by placing your hand under my thigh. That's what this means. That, that's that's why it's being done this way. Uh, and this was something that uh, uh, because uh, it, this this was a really big deal. And if you don't believe that, uh, you can uh, find other places where uh, all of this promised by God, the covenant. Look at Genesis. Write these down. We're not going to have time for all this today, but write down Genesis forty six twenty six because we that's still to come. Uh, go to Exodus one five, uh, and and you'll see that 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 Isaac being fruitful and this going on the way it went on was something that God was saying was going to happen, and Abraham says, "Swear to it, you're going to stick by this." Uh, so the servant had to swear by Yahweh. If if you look um, in the Hebrew, that's God's name that's being used here. Of course, that's Lord God; He's all authority. And here it is again: that God of heaven and God of earth. It's the same description of God. If you remember uh, when uh, Melchizedek showed up and with his blessing, this is what he called God. Uh, That was back in chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, if you weren't with us for that. Uh, Abraham's oath also, it's what uh, how he described uh, God when he was talking to the king of Sodom. Also in chapter 14, verse 22, this is the same name uh, that Abraham used in both of these occasions and he brings that name back again and uh, and he is saying clarifying in the next verses do not go and get me a wife for my son from the Canaanites don't do that now what's our takeaway from that I'll tell you what our takeaway is that is somehow sometimes we have people entering into marriage haphazardly uh, and you and you this has nothing to do with ethnicity Okay, we you'll you'll see God confirm that even with the uh, Moses's wife, uh, when when they they really problems are called there caused there when there is bigotry uh, among some of the Jewish women that don't like a, Moses's choice, and God clarifies it's not an ethnicity that He's talking about, but I tell you what He is talking about: don't go marry pagans, don't go marrying heathens, don't marry people outside the faith. I don't. I don't. For the life of me, the the number of times if you are out there, and you are a follower of Jesus, and you are thinking of marrying someone who is not, stop. Stop. This is not going to just be no big deal. Okay. If if you're out there saying, for instance, uh, even inside denominational stuff, you know, if 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 you're sitting there right now and you go. Well, I believe in infant baptism, and your spouse says I don't. That's going to be a problem. Okay, work. Don't don't enter into these kind of marriages. Uh, I'm Jewish. Oh, I'm Christian. I believe that Jesus is Messiah. I don't believe that. Don't marry. God, God, this is going to be nothing but trouble. All this is going to be is problems. And so what? What we and we found out what. He, here's Abraham looking to the future. What happened when when Solomon decided he'd go take pagan wives? It messed it, it completely messed him up because what happens that they begin to influence you and they turn you away from God. And so what he's saying is, I know that I currently dwell among the Canaanites. I acknowledge that. By the way, we last week though, but Abraham's got him some land now, and he says it's going to one day be ours. But we're supposed to eradicate all these people in the future because they don't serve the God that we serve and do not bring me a wife from these people. You go back and get him equally yoked. And again, that has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has to do with faith. Go and get me a wife from my people. Because this is going to be the fruitfulness. It's going to be God's chosen people. It's not going to be – I don't have a legacy of pagans. So don't go get me a wife from there. And so he's he's telling the servant that that's the way it's going to be. Go back to my people. Go back to my land to find a wife back to Haran where Abraham got the call from God. He's saying go back there and get me a wife. 
so now let's look at, uh, at verses 5 through 9. So in verses 5 through 9, the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me back to the land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Hey, you think I should take Isaac with me? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me, swore to me, to your offspring I will give you this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from the oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and he swore to him concerning this this matter. So what's going on here? So you understand the servant. He's like, look, I'm not concerned about finding a wife. I think I can find one. What I'm concerned about is she won't come back with me. Uh, how am I going to sell her that I'm, I'm really representing God and, and this is something she's supposed to do? I tell you what, let me take Isaac with me so at least she'll see Isaac. She'll lay eyes on him. She'll know he's really looking for a wife. And Abraham says, no, we're not doing that. Why? Well, he explains. The Lord God that I serve says that my offspring will inhabit this land. My son is not going to go back there. That's not where we're going to end up. And I don't know what might happen. I don't know what might happen to me. I'm, I may, you know, I may die before he gets back. But I'll tell you what we're not going to do. My son's not going there because that's not where my son will do. I don't want my son to fall into sin. I don't want him to decide to stay there with her because that's not what God told us to do. God said we're going to inhabit this land, so Isaac going with you is out. You're going to go, but look, if this is what God wants and he wants me to go find this wife, the angel of the Lord will go with you. The angel will be there. God will pierce the heart of these people. If this is the woman he wants, she'll come back with you. You have that kind of faith? Because it makes sense, doesn't it? How many times have you said, well, I mean, I know this is what God's called me to do, but... Have you ever tried to have a plan better than God's? He's not thinking through this Isaac thing. Doesn't he know this would be easier for me if Isaac would just go with me? And Abraham said, you think God didn't know that? I mean, th- but this is not what God said. We're going to do it the way God said to do it. Just do- I-, I love this, and, and of course, I, y'all, y'all have talked about this, and some of you said, which doesn't speak very highly of you, uh, that one of the things you like about the Bible study is that I break this down into ways that, C students from Calhoun County can understand, which is me. And and so, I mean, I like this uh, definition of, of dis, a disciple as many as any of the, you know, highly educated, uh, you know, degrees all over the wall. You know what the simplest thing of being obedient is? A disciple of Jesus. So we're disciples of Jesus. You know what a disciple is? It's somebody that does what Jesus says to do and says what he says to say. That's it. And so Abraham is saying, no, he said this is how we're going to do it, so this is how we're going to do it. Even, even the servant making a legitimate strategy, can I add something here? I'll tell you what would keep her from not coming back with me. If I, well, I want to just take Isaac with me. And Abraham says we're not going to do that uh, because you will be, you'll have the angel of the Lord with you, and that will ensure success. But he does put, he does put a but in there in verse 8. If she won't come back with you, then I know that's not who God wants, and you're released from the oath that we just had. Uh, and um, and so you know what? As soon as Abraham says that, though, to this trusted man, what does the man do? I'm in. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll do it. And so he uh, he he takes the oath, and and here uh, he um, here he he is characterized here because he calls him master. He he's characterized as Abraham's slave. Uh, later, and this is a cool deal that you'll see. We may not get to it today, so I may be giving away something for next week. But if you look ahead and you see how this transition is is exactly what we said it was in 24, the transition of Abraham to Isaac, this servant is so locked in to what God's doing. If we get to the end of 24 this week or next week, I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler uh, alert. Uh, He starts calling Isaac master. He refers to Isaac as his master. See that boy. That's somebody that knows what's happening here and what and what's going on. 
so he's, that, that is a signal to us in Scripture that at this point, Isaac now has all the authority. It, it's transitioning to Isaac, and, and the narrative is, is shifting from Abraham to Isaac. All right, verses 10 through 11. All right, let's go to verses 10 through 11. The servant took 10 of his master's camels, that's big, and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master, and he arose and he went to Mesopotamia. Um, you know what's funny about that is the servant is listening. He doesn't get to take Isaac, but notice he says, I tell you, I'm going to grab a few gifts, though. Uh, I mean, I, I, I got to have some stuff with me to go that might fire everybody up. And he took these 10 camels, and they're going to play a big role in uh, the um, confirmation of God. And he's gone to the city of Nahor, and, and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of the water at the time of evening, the time when women go out and they draw the water. So now why is he doing this? He's it's, it's kind of summarizing the trip. Um, remember, the 10 camels are going to come into play. He's got some items with him, so he, he you know what he is? He's ready to deal. He, he's got he's got some stuff from Abraham who's got all kinds of money and stuff. Uh, the region is mentioned to let us know that he is making his way back to Haran. And the reason why he sets up where he is, remember, even though God calls you to something and you know that you believe that God alone is going to fulfill it, that doesn't mean he doesn't want us to be strategic. Well, you still got to get a plan. Uh, you don't just run out there, you know, testing God. You you get a plan together. You know, he says, I'm going to take these 10 camels, and you'll see how he uses those. I'm going to set up at the place where usually young, unwed women are given the job to go get the water. So if you have a young, unwed uh, daughter, you would send her to go to the well and to get the water you need, and he knows this. So you know where you fish? Where the fish are. I have found that I'm much more successful if I'm fishing where there's actually fish. And so um, you can fish all day long where there's no fish. You can have great presentation, uh, but you're not going to catch any. Uh, so so he sets up at, at a place to where he thinks will be strategic, and, and he's right. Uh, look at verses 12 through 14, and this is, this is also something we got to take away of God's call on our life. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. What's he doing? Praying. All right, I'm here. Uh, I did what Abraham told me to do. I know Abraham's your guy. Uh, I serve you because I serve Abraham. Uh, and I'm just going to pray, Lord, uh, that you will continue to be steadfast, grant me success. And what does he say? And this is what I love about this guy. Grant me success today. Why? To show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Do we have that attitude? Are we out doing what we're called to do to bring glory to ourselves or so that God will be glorified? Lord, I pray. You know, one of the things that, that I break down and kind of the way we talk, and usually we're right here on this logo that y'all are looking at here in the floor. We pray before we start the show. And on many, many days, the prayer that I pray, since I claim to be a follower of Jesus, Lord, give me the strength, give me the discernment where I don't step out on this platform and embarrass you today. May I bring you glory, not shame. And this is what he is, this is what he is praying. May I don't let me let down Abraham, and I'm praying that you'll come through for him. Help me to be successful for his benefit, so his his son has the wife that he he believes that you want him to have. Do we pray that way? I mean, have you have you gotten to the point where you're so humble that you would get before the Lord and say, Lord, may you be successful today? Picture this: you've been called to go somewhere to reach people for Christ. All right, now listen to me now because we've got to be careful for this subtle stuff, okay? And you're praying. You're praying that God will move and that people will come to Christ and that you will see the fruit of God so it will bring glory to him and you honestly, deep down, have zero concern if anybody ever knew you were part of it. I don't need anybody to tell me I did a good job. 
Because, you know, if you're truly a servant of God, you know what a servant of God does? I do what he tells me to do, and I don't even care if I'm told I did a good job. Now, that doesn't mean we don't encourage each other. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about our motivation can't be, can't what? I can't wait to get back and tell the story of this mission trip where everybody thinks I was really something. God really moved since I you know, went. When I got there, things changed. No, I mean, that. do you realize what a laugher that is for God? I don't know what I'm going to do if Rick won't be obedient. I'll tell you what he'll do. I'll go to the next person that is, and I'll do it anyway. <laughs> the things that God's allowed me to be part of, he didn't need me. He was going to do it anyway. Remember this, God's will, said it before, but some of you may not have been here, write it down. God's will is not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. Because he certainly doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. He's not wringing his hands hoping we'll all come through. What he's wondering is, do we have faith in him, and are we willing to prove it by our obedience? Um, so, so here he is. He prays, and uh, he knows that Abraham is in a covenant with God. Uh, and, and he says that he is, uh, uh, he, he, he is set up where he wants to be, and look what he does next. So he has been praying, and this is really cool what he does next. Behold, verse 13, Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming to draw water. 14, Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who let down uh, and shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Underline that. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. That's pretty bold of this guy. He said, here's what my plan is. I'm going to go and I'm going to ask somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to be sitting up here with my camels, and what I'm looking for is for the woman that offers me a drink, but then also, not just me, she will also water the camels. And, and, and that'll be a sign to me. That'll be your confirmation of your kindness to my master because I know y'all are in a covenant. This is what I'm looking for. And I'll tell you why the camels is kind of a little extra caveat that he put on top of it as we roll forward. 15 through 17, before he had finished speaking, isn't this very God-like? He can't even get it out. <laughs> like God, I can almost see God here going, come on, come on, come on, come on. I've already got her coming over there. Get through this thing here. Do you think that God was really moved by his instruction? No. Do you think God said, okay, that that's, man, there you go. Appreciate you praying to me. You say, you hear, don't miss, before he finished speaking, Rebecca shows up. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I've already got her on the way. Please hurry up, hurry up. Quicker, quicker. You know, and uh, because God's already moving. That's back to what I just said. He doesn't need this guy to do this. He gets to do it. He's already got Rebecca moving. Whatever God has planned for you and has planned for me, he's already moving. The question is, are you paying attention? Are you looking for it? He's already moving. I, I, we just had a thing happen, and 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 uh, the guy who got to experience probably watching this, if not live, he always watches it uh, on archive out of uh, out of Arkansas. In Arkansas, listen to this: this person has never heard of the Rick and Bubba show. He has never heard, has no idea who I am in any way, shape, or form. Has never heard of anything that we're doing. When this guy who is doing the, the, the curriculum with his group in Arkansas is talking to a pastor who is head of an association of, of about, I can't remember what we finally, the number was, it was either 47 or 51 churches, and he looks at him and he says, you know, the thing I'm just wondering, he said, is there anything available anywhere that actually offers a curriculum? He said, I mean, you know, we, 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 we get up and we challenge these guys and we do all these conferences and we do all these gatherings, and, and we, but we just don't, we, we don't equip them. We don't disciple them. I just wish there was something somewhere 
And he goes, you know, think, uh, something like a man church, something somewhere that, 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 that could offer curriculum for these men and us just do it through the whole association. And the guy looks at him, he goes, do you know Rick Burgess? And the guy says, no, I, I've never, never heard of him. Do you know the Rick and Bubba show? No. I don't even, I, he didn't know what that was. Have you ever heard of the manchurch.com? And you know what the guy's pastor said? No. He said, well, you're about to. <laughs> He's already moving. I have not been able to go there and tell anybody about that. I have no influence there whatsoever. I've, I've never been to this. Uh, Jonesboro, as close as I've ever been, this is over in Russellville, okay, and spoke at one thing, and they didn't know who I was either. Okay, they were just looking for a speaker for, you know, whatever. And so – so you would think, well, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. One guy starts doing it with a group of men at his church and ends up in a conversation with this guy. So did did he even need me to go there to sit down with this pastor and tell him all about it? He's already put it on that pastor's heart. He's already moving. What he wanted to know was were we willing to put it together so that when somebody says, I need it, we go, well, there it is. And you know what he got tired of saying? He got tired of with me? It's me always saying we needed it. But I wasn't willing to actually work and provide it. Hey, we need somebody to do this. Are you that person? Somebody needs to. Well, what about you? Why don't you do it? Any old bush will do. It doesn't matter. Matter of fact, the 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 least you're gifted, probably the more we can trust you. Right? I don't know if you look around. So, and our pastor said this the other day, and it really hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, "Why is it our most gifted can't be trusted? They can't handle it. It's those that don't have all the flashing lights and everything that really we usually can trust." Our most gifted just can't ever seem to pull it off without failing because they get so full of their – they start worshiping their gifts other than the provider of the gift. And I had a man tell me that straightforward early on on the plane. I was on a plane with a guy who used to work with Billy Graham. He said, my biggest advice to you, I'll shorten the conversation, was I would, I would pray more and speak less. And I said, what do you mean? He said – if you get yourself too strung out, and last year I, I nearly I, I was as close as I've ever been. If you get yourself too strung out, you'll start leaning on the gifts and you'll stop leaning on God. You'll go and speak because you know you can pull it off, but you won't be prepared. You won't be covered in prayer. You won't be prepared, and, and this will become routine to you. And you'll start leaning on your gifts and you'll stop leaning on God. And that's when you're going to fall. How many times have we seen that? We've seen it over and over again, haven't we? So anyway, if you think that you can't be used by God, then you must not understand the God we serve. So he's got it set up. He's ready to go. And before he even finished speaking in verse 15, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of uh, Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water on her shoulder. Now we get a little lineage on Rebekah to make a long story short. Abraham's brother is her granddaddy. And so Rebecca, uh, if you look at the lineage, um, she, she has the water on her shoulder. She's potentially the answer to his prayer. Uh, and, and we find out uh, that, um, uh, that she is going to be Isaac, Isaac's second cousin. Some people say cousin once removed. We say second cousin. And I have a lot of second cousins because my mom and dad only have one sibling apiece, so I don't have many first cousins. But my granddaddy has 12 11 brothers and sisters, so I got all kinds of second cousins. And uh, many times people come up, and uh, and if they ask if somebody's my second cousin, I wait and find out what they've done first. Uh, but um, but anyway, uh, so uh, that that's the lineage uh, because we, we've got uh, um, Abraham's brother and his wife uh, are the grandparents uh, of Rebecca. And Rebecca's got uh, the water on her shoulder, uh, and, and, and it looks like she may be the one. And so look what it tells us in, in 16 and 17. Uh, it says, The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known, 
she went down to the spring and filled her jar and and came up. So what we're getting here is she's young, she's attractive. Uh, the Bible goes ahead and tells us that. She's a virgin. Uh, a maiden means she's old enough to be married, uh, but she has never been married. Uh, and the servant thinks that she passed the test. So you know what? He goes for the test. He looks, he sees her, and he's like, this looks pretty good to me. I, I, I think this will work. I think I'm going to test this one. Uh, I, she's got the right lineage. She's got the right looks. She's available for marriage. She passes the test of being a virgin. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the test. So, so here comes the test uh, in, in verse 17. Uh, then the servant uh, ran to meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink for your jar. He's kind of excited. I think he's hoping she passes. I think you know what I think. I think he's hoping she passes because he's thinking. Now I bring her back. Isaac's going to be happy, and so is Abraham. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so she said, "Drink, my lord." And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. Passed first test. Nineteen. When she had finished giving him a drink, uh, she said, "I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking." Okay, remember I told you to keep looking for that. So, um, so when he goes um, goes to her, water for a stranger is really no big deal. Uh, that was just considered to be a common courtesy. But this is the reason of the ten camels being brought as well. Because look at twenty one, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Twenty two. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing uh, half a shekel, two bracelets for her arms weighing ten shekels, and and she said, please tell me, uh, and, and, and said, I'm sorry, and said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? All right, so he thinks she's passed the test. So why is that? Well, as I said, water for a stranger that's pretty good. He asked for that, but that was pretty common. Let me tell you what was not common. You know, it's one thing for me to ask you for a drink. It's completely another for me to say, oh, by the way, I got 10 camels here. Not one, not two, 10. It's a much bigger task for you to water the camels than just let me have a little pop off that. Okay. Whew, I'm refreshed. And it would have been perfectly fine for somebody to say, hey, welcome to our town. But you're going to have to water your own camels. I mean, that, that, that's a lot of work. And what he did is he watched this young lady take the time and the effort, and this did not happen quickly, to watch her go get water back and forth, back and forth, and water 10 camels on top of giving him a drink. And he said, now that's confirmation. Now, now, now this, this is a woman worthy of, of my master and his son, uh, who will now be my, my new master. So, so this is, this is uh, crucial. So now he goes for the ask. He gives her some gifts, you know, which, you know, and that didn't really start the process. She's still not really sure what's going on because think about it. It might've just been simply, I'm going to give you something for all the work you just put in those camels, you know, a tip, you know, for, for lack of a better term. Uh, and so in 24, 25, more confirmation, she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, uh, uh, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. More confirmation. Here's my, here's my genealogy. I'm definitely kindred, just like you were told. And how about this? I got plenty of hay for the camels. I got um, plenty of hay for you to find somewhere to sleep. Uh, we've got everything that you need, and you're welcome to stay with us. So look what happens in 26 and 27. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who was not forsaken, his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman, right? That had to be done. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. All right, so 
just for time, I'm going to stop as far as what we're going to do scripture-wise, but I, I have one more th- thing I want to talk to you about. So the servant worshiped again, and, and this time uh, he he's praising for what God has done, and he's acknowledging God's faithfulness, and he sees that this is the one, and the next week we'll come back when he has to, to do the ask. But I want to talk to you about the fulfilling of this covenant that this servant uh, made with Abraham, these covenants that we enter into. And and I want to ask us as the men in the room and, and the men and women that are watching, you know, we, we look at the, the story of Job, and, and what do we see? We see that, that in, in the book of Job, we're told by God himself through his inspired holy word that Job had made a covenant with his eyes. Do you remember what that covenant was? That he would never look lustfully uh, upon a young woman. He made a covenant with his eyes. See that that's that's a much bigger deal than saying I don't. Th- I, I'll try not to do that anymore. You realize that if 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 Job makes that covenant with his eyes before God Almighty, that I will not look lustfully on a young woman. That what he's saying to God, now I don't know what God's response would have been on that. It looks like Job never did that, that he held his end of the covenant. But you're really saying to God, if I do it, make me blind. That, that'd be a motivator, wouldn't it? Would you adjust your seat at the beach a little bit? That'd be a motivator, wouldn't it? Would you look down at your feet when, when women walk by? Would you, would you think differently about uh, what you let your eyes see? It'd be a game changer, wouldn't it? And uh, so I, I actually got discussing this, and, and, and this is not about testing God. It's, it's about being devoted to God and because we're not to test him. I actually, and I'm not asking any of you, I just want you to ponder this today because this man knew that when he placed his hand under Abraham's thigh and said, I will enter into this covenant, what he was doing. And this meant that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. And, um, you know, God made a covenant with Abraham. He's made a covenant with us under Christ, hasn't he? A new covenant. And, And he's made that covenant that if we repent of our sin, and we leave faith in ourselves, and we place our faith in him, that through the new covenant of grace and mercy, that he will forgive us, and that we will be reconciled to him. And then he said, and then if you love me, then you obey my commands. Not about earning salvation. That's your response to me holding up my end of the covenant. Now, he is gracious, and, and he is merciful. But... And this is just in one particular thing that we've been looking at, and you, you see it, some more headlines going on today. So I have actually entered into a covenant with a friend of mine that we, we, we made this covenant with each other because we kept watching the disastrous result of sin. doesn't mean it's unforgivable, but it does have awful results of these men that have been given these platforms, and they, they make all these commitments publicly to God, and, and you, you, you find out in their lives that they have been unfaithful to their wives. I mean, they, they have gone out, and they've been speaking, and they've been teaching, and they've been perpetually and deliberately um, being sexually unfaithful to God and to their wives. And you think about the shame that that brings to God and the confusion that it brings to the, the ministry and the platform of this person and, and ultimately back to embarrassing God. And, and then the horrible shame, this friend of mine and I, we started thinking about what a horrible, horrible, shameful thing that must be for those wives to have to, to have to be embarrassed like that, just like God is embarrassed by it. And, and we, we made a, a covenant with each other that if we were ever unfaithful to our wives, that God would kill us. 
uh, because I would rather my wife be at my funeral and be grieving a husband that didn't have that mark against her and that mark against God than for her to have to walk through that with me still alive. And, and, and so that's, that's the kind of commitment and, and it's not anything to play games with, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, when, when you make those kinds of covenants, you take that area of your life extremely serious because I think it is serious because the damage that this garbage keeps causing, uh, it would be better off if those people, God just took them before the act took place and brought them into his presence than for it to actually have taken place. And um, so I, I do want us to take away from this today this this concept of when God says, now we're in a covenant now, you, you belong to me, and I have fulfilled perfectly my side of the covenant, and I expect you, through the strength that he gives us, it's still from him, to fulfill your side of it and and that we take who God is and what he's done for us extremely serious and that we live a life of thankfulness and stay committed to the covenants that he called us to because marriage is a covenant. And, um, and, and, and if it's broken, his response to that certainly can be gracious and merciful he certainly has been with me, but um, I think us taking that serious and being devoted to him in such a way that, that, that we would never let that happen. Let's, let, let's, let's decide to never let that happen. Let's never put our God, our Lord, our Savior, and our wives in that position. And let's take that very serious. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for this incredible message. And, and Lord, we look forward to, uh, to hearing the rest of it next week. Uh, thank you for the grace and mercy that you've shown us. Thank you for the example uh, that you have uh, clearly laid out. And Lord, I, I know that, uh, that all of us, in some way, shape, or form in our lives, because of our sinful flesh, me included, we have broken our covenant with you. Forgive us, Lord, as you call us in Scripture for sometimes being an unfaithful bride. Uh, but, Lord, I, I thank you for your willingness to forgive us when we have strayed. And I pray, Lord, that today that you, you place in us a conviction from the Holy Spirit that is so overwhelming uh, that we will begin in our lives to take sin as serious as you do. Because it, it, it is always what kills personal revival. It has destroyed every revival that has ever existed. And Lord, may we take it serious. Uh, and this is all about appreciation what you've already done. You, you have made us perfect. May we not, as Paul said in Romans chapter 6, be men and women who abuse the grace that you paid such a price to give. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.